Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, March 1st. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, it's earnings season. We're seeing all the publicly traded companies having to share their reports from the last quarter, which is the fourth quarter of 2022. First off the line was Anywhere, formerly known as Realogy, the owner of a bunch of brands, including Coldwell Banker, C21, Sotheby's, Corcoran. Their reporting showed that revenue declined 33% in the fourth quarter of 2022 and 13% year over year. Anywhere is a large company that has lots of holdings, both in real estate brokerage, mortgage, title, and insurance. What they found is that they had double-digit declines in both transactions and unit volume, which impacted all of those businesses. In fact, Q4, their net losses ballooned 1,064% year over year to $453 million. What do you think about that, Chase? I think calling it a tough quarter when you lost almost a half a billion dollars might be an understatement. And yet, you know, it was a tough quarter for a lot of companies and the industry at large, right? It was when we really felt the going off the cliff, if you will. It had been slowing down before that, but it's when it just, we really felt it. It was interesting to hear that a lot of those losses or that downturn was acutely felt with their anywhere integrated services, which is actually a mortgage title and insurance division that was formerly known as Rheology Title Group. They suffered in that area acutely because of mortgage rates in particular, right? And the closings associated with those. So you start to realize that for these really big companies, Bruce, that have a lot of ancillary businesses that are attached to the real estate industry, that when it's really good, it's really good for everybody. And when it's not so good, it's not so good for everybody. And that means the gains and the losses can pile up pretty quickly. I don't mean that that that's bad necessarily. It's just something that you have to be aware of when you're thinking about the impact that a change in the marketplace could have on your overall business. Certainly half a billion dollars or nearly in one quarter is a significant impact. It is. And, you know, more specific to their mortgage and title and escrow units, right, is that not only did they have the benefit of one of the best real estate markets in the history of this country, but they also had an amazing refi market, right? Because interest rates were held artificially low for the longest time. And of course, everybody who could refinanced. And of course, they were receiving revenue from all of those things. Well, that's gone. The refinance business has basically evaporated. So yeah, that would make their losses even more acute. Now, I will have to give them props, though. In 2022, Anywhere executed a relentless focus on financial and operational performance, including $150 million in realized cost savings. I have to say, Chase, that that is astounding. I mean, we all know how hard it is to keep our expenses low and to cut them when you need to. $150 million is a big number. Oh, absolutely. And there's no doubt, Bruce, that they had to do that and might still have to do more when you're talking about that much of a loss. One of the things that they've done recently, so this wouldn't be included in the $150 million that they cut last year or in the news of this fourth quarter report, but they also shut down their iBuyer in January of this year. 
right? Meaning that they're continuing to pursue cost savings and it's just another blow to the iBuyer part of the market. They're hurting in a really big, big way. And this is just another sign of challenges to come for that particular business model. But again, credit to anywhere for realizing, hey, this is a piece that we need to shutter. In their reporting, they say that they expect Q1 2023 market volumes to be down around 30% versus 2022. And we expect those year over year of quarterly comparisons to improve throughout the year and still believe the outlook for housing over the decade is strong. I buy into that, that the outlook for housing over the next decade is going to be strong. Whether or not we see just one quarter of down numbers and then we see them improve in the second quarter is going to be, you know, you say it, Chase. I mean, the prediction business is a hard business, right? And there's a lot of things at play here that could change the game. Oh, absolutely. Here's the quote. And most importantly, and potentially excitedly right now, we may be at or near a bottom already. I certainly hope he's right, but there's so many factors that could change that. If I had just lost $453 million in a quarter, I would hope that that was the bottom as well, Bruce. So I can't blame him for being optimistic. Since this report came out, the government released the PPI number, right, which is the producer's price index. That actually came in hotter than was anticipated. In January, it was up 0.7%, but over the last 12 months, it's actually up 6%. So this is a number that the Fed looks at very closely. Again, predictions are hard, but I, I have to tell you, it won't surprise me, Chase, if we see the Fed raise the federal interest rate by 50 basis points again in March. We'll be having that in the next couple of weeks, so we'll certainly report on that. But what happens is that drives things up. If we see the bond market respond to that, well, we could see interest rates go solidly over 7%. And again, that will put a crimp on the market. Absolutely. And of course, anywhere tip their hat to some of the things they're going to continue to do to cut costs and become more efficient. They talk about digitizing their operations, automating processes to remove work and friction for agents and consumers, right? That's something we talk a lot about. Technology allowing for efficiency and cost savings, but also simultaneously improving the consumer experience, or in this case, the agent and the consumer experience. So they're going to continue down that pathway according to this. And they're also going to cut some of their marketing spend. They've lowered their marketing spend for 2023, given market conditions. So, you know, that's often an area, Bruce, where big companies look for significant cuts is in their marketing dollar. Now, two things. If they're cutting marketing dollars that are inefficient, meaning that they're not getting the return they should, that can be a really powerful move. If you're cutting marketing dollars that are efficient or are creating a return for you, it can be like kicking a guy when he's down, for example, right? And we, we've seen some studies that indicate that when there's a recession or a downturn, companies that cut their marketing budget often tend to be the ones that take a lot longer to recover or maybe never recover the market share that they had. So it'll be interesting to see precisely what they end up doing there. You said something there that made me think, Chase, right? They're talking about digitizing and removing the friction in the business. And yet what's fascinating to me about that statement is that they've made a conscious decision to not build their own technology. How they get that digital efficiency is going to be very interesting when you're cobbling together different softwares built by different companies and making that happen. And what they're describing there, right, is the holy grail. 
when we first started going down this big technology push in the industry, that's what everybody has been aiming for. Yep. That's not new. That's not new. And you have kind of a challenge on either side, right? If you've outsourced all of your technology or you're bolting it on, if you will, then you have to hope that those companies you're leveraging are keeping up at the pace that your agents and your consumers demand. If you make a decision to build it yourself, then you have to hope that you can keep up with the changes and the expectations of the consumer and the agent from an experience standpoint, right? So either way, you're betting on the importance of technology, whether you own it or someone else owns it in helping make your business more efficient and easier to work with. Well, in other reporting news, Redfin saw revenue fall 25% year over year during the fourth quarter of 2022 and lost a total of $61.9 million. The company bought in a total of $479.7 million in revenue during the fourth quarter. Now, at the same time, the company lost a total of $61.9 up from $27 million loss in the same period one year prior. I don't know, Chase, I would have a hard time getting on a screen in front of an audience of investors and, and shareholders and analysts and being upbeat about losing money like these guys do. Well, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about the eternal optimists. These must be some of them. And I guess I can appreciate that. But, you know, frankly, you lost $27 million in the fourth quarter of 2021, which we know was one of the best fourth quarters in the history of the industry, both in units and volume and commissions and ultimately all the things that drive revenue. So that's a tough time to be losing. If you've lost this last fourth quarter, you might just kind of be in the middle of the pack because a lot of people lost money in the last fourth quarter. But you go back one year and it's like, whoa, wait a second. You lost a bunch of money when everyone else was making money. I'm generalizing there, but you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be tough to continue to be optimistic when now the language coming out of Kelman, right, Glenn Kelman, is ultimately how well they're positioned to make money when eventually the market turns around, whenever that may be. The track record shows that they didn't make money when it was as good as it's ever been. So it'd be hard for me as an investor to think that somehow, somewhere down the line, that's just going to automatically happen, right? They've had to make some pretty big decisions in terms of cost cutting as well, one being shuttering their iBuyer business. These things are starting to sound like the same, right? And they actually lost a total of $321.1 million last year in total. Again, here's the quote from Kelman. Expects Redfin to make a profit in 2024. Note that. Adding that the firm will be well positioned to make a lot of money, quote unquote, when the market ultimately improves. Well, for Glenn's sake, I hope that he's right. Also in the report, he said that his company spent the fourth quarter shifting, and listen to this, to a more digital margin revenue. I don't know where we heard that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the last story. Lowered expenses. They increased their share of online real estate traffic and improved the quality of their sales force. And then he continued to say the discipline to make adjusted EBITDA this year can make us very profitable when the housing market recovers. A lot of pipe dream in there, it feels like to me, but it's a big business. They got to figure out how they're going to do it. Yeah, they do. And ultimately, they're seeing a decline in their market share, Bruce. So they measured their market share as 0.76% of existing U.S. home sales in the fourth quarter. 
For the entire year, though, the company's market share was 0.8%. That means it actually declined in the fourth quarter. Kelman mentioned having what he described as almost a near-death experience back in November when their stock fell to about $3 a share, the lowest ever, and that it prompted them to question everything. Well, no doubt you better be questioning everything because ultimately the investors are going to start questioning you as the leader of the company. So I can't imagine the pressure that exists there, Bruce, at that level. I appreciate someone's optimism, and yet I certainly think that in the back rooms and conversations, they had better be questioning a lot in order to turn that around. Kelman expects inventory to remain low in 2023. Okay, I think we're in alignment on that. And for affordability to remain an issue for buyers, especially millennials. And I think you and I talk enough about this, Chase, and about the challenge that affordability is. Still, he ultimately struck an upbeat tone saying the company can adapt to a shifting market and is meeting its goals to achieve profitability. We couldn't be more excited, Kelman said during the call, about the year ahead. (laughs) Where we won't make any money. I added that part on. Glenn didn't actually say that. Talk about throwing gasoline on the fire, right? (laughs) Existing home sales fell every single month in 2022, and that's new NAR data that has come out. So U.S. existing home sales slid 0.7% between December and January to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4 million homes. What are your thoughts around this, Chase? Well, you know, we reported on it all throughout last year, Bruce. We kind of had come out of the gate hot. Interest rates were at historic lows. Lots of sales happening in the first quarter of last year, even considering the low inventory And then when those rates really started ratcheting it up based on the decision-making of the Fed, I mean, the brakes just got put on. And it seemed like the longer they went and the more they increased the cost of money, we just started pushing harder on the brakes, right? And that led to $4 in seasonally adjusted sales versus what we were anticipate coming out of early last year, I think was somewhere closer to like $6 Right. So again, projections are hard and a lot of things can change those. But I think that it'll be interesting to see a lot of people predicting that we're quote unquote the bottom in terms of unit sales. I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, we're going to have to continue to watch that and pay attention. I think it's probably a fairly safe prediction, though, Bruce, to say that we're not going to go back to the number of unit sales we saw in the couple of years prior to that anytime dramatically soon. Again, still a prediction. Anything could happen. But I think we're seeing a correction in the marketplace that's going to be here for a little while. To take us back to last week when we were at Family Reunion and we reported on Gary's vision speech, basically what we're saying here and what we're experiencing is a 30% drop in units over this two-year period. That feels scary as all get out. And yet, Based on the current median sales price, we could have the third best year in closed volume, which means that there are people who can make more money this year than they've ever made. Yep, that's exactly right. Matter of fact, the median existing home sale price increased 1.3% from a year ago to 359000 Prices still going up from a year ago. Prices climbed in three out of the four major regions in the United States, falling only in the West. So that's kind of our neck of the woods. It's something we want to keep a close eye on. But you're right, Bruce, there's still a lot of opportunity in the commission dollar, even given the lower units. And I think that is an encouragement to any realtors out there that are wondering how this change impacts them. Well, that's kind of up to you, actually. That's the news you need to know. 
Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Juan Murdoch with Keller Williams Realty East Idaho in Idaho Falls. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.